is Sportsnet Today with Aaron Vickers and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We are into the sports drive here on Sportsnet Today, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. I'm Peter Klein. He is Aaron Rickers. We're both familiar with employee turnover as uh, we continue here. Uh, some of them were our choice. Uh, as we continue here on uh, Sportsnet Today, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza guest hotline to join our Stampeders insider, expert, reporter, know-it-all. It is uh, Matty Rose. Matthew, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, boys. How are you? Doing great. We are, I mean, you're already at the weekend. We are 56 minutes away from the weekend, so doing good. Getting excited-ish for the Stampeders and the Argos tonight. Not necessarily the team you want to be stumbling into a matchup with, uh, but uh, I guess your, your overall look at the Stamps as they go up against merely the top team in the Canadian Football League. Well, it's it's just the Argos, and then you've got the Lions, the Blue Bombers, and then the Argos again over the next four weeks. So the thing is, if, if you don't pull up your socks right now, you're probably going to be in trouble come the Labor Day matchup and the rematch right after against the Elks. When you can pick up a couple wins, but you never know how the Elks are going to look by then either. So, yeah, this is a really big stretch for the Stampeders. Um, I, watching Mason Fine last week, I didn't get encouraged by what I saw entirely. So I think the Stampeders still have an option to move up in the standings here, try and get a playoff spot, and it starts with this four-week stretch. They, they've got a really tough matchup, obviously. Chad Kelly's playing well. All those Argos over there that used to be former Stampeders, that's going to be a fun matchup to keep an eye on for the entire game, uh, especially because it's probably going to be one that is not only physical, but maybe verbal, and that's going to be fun to watch. So I think it's a big test for them. Obviously, it's an undefeated team, but as far as the Stampeders go, you can't really think about it like that. You just got to chip away and, and try and get back in this thing after having a really tough stretch here. When I was hanging out with you on mornings last week, we were talking about the injury woes for the, the Cal, uh, Calgary Stampeders. It seems like maybe it's got a touch better, but not a, a whole lot better. Are, are we seeing, are we getting any good injury luck for the, the Stampeders heading into this matchup with the Argos? Well, Trey Roberson is going to return from the one-game injury list, so anytime that you can get Trey back in the lineup, that's good news and kind of solidifies the secondary. They've got him listed as the field cornerback with Jonathan Moxie at the boundary corner, so that's going to be fascinating to watch because Trey has played the field corner position essentially since he became a member of the Calgary Stampeders and then left to the NFL and then came back, so he's going to get back in the lineup here. They're also going to get Darius Williams, who's a special teamer, but they haven't got Kadeem Carey back yet. They were hopeful for this week, ended up not being able to go. So they're going to go with uh, Diedrich Mills and Levante Bellamy once again. But it looks like things are starting to maybe turn a corner. This is a long injury list for the Stampeders. It has been since training camp, and it's just kind of getting to the point where they're learning to live with it. And this week, only missing... The three guys are only having the three roster changes, and two of them in a positive fashion with Roberson and Williams getting back onto the roster. That's good news. Uh, they did lose their long snapper, Aaron Crawford. They had to sign another one in uh, free agency this week, but that's just a one-game injured list thing for Aaron Crawford. So um, it looks like things are turning a corner, but at the same time, it's still a very long 
six-game injured list for the Stampeders. Um, you mentioned Kadeem Carey. This team has replaced him by not running the football at all. Um, how much of an impact has his loss been on an offense that admittedly put up a bunch of points against Ottawa a couple of weeks ago, but maybe had some stumbles against Montreal last week? Well, it's it's kind of hard to say. Like, this is a guy going into the season that, you know, we talked to him in, in preseason, and he had said he wanted, like, 20, 25 touches a game, whether those were runs or catches out of the backfield. That's what he wanted to do. So he was a guy that was ready to take on a, a big workload and got injured midway through the first game. So we don't really know the potential of this offense with Kadeem Carey. That being said, Dedrick Mills and Peyton Logan when he was healthy, and now Levante Bellamy has shown quite well too. But Dedrick Mills specifically has really filled in in a, in a solid way when he's been given the ball. But this offensive line, the way that they've changed players, especially on the outside with their tackles, it's just never really felt like they've been able to get the run game going early in a way that Dave or the offensive coordinator, Pat Delmonico, feel comfortable with it, and they chase it that way. So I, I think it would be it's going to be interesting when Kadeem Carey gets back into the lineup next week and he's able to kind of affect this in his way. But until then, it's hard to say what the running game would do. It, right now it would be great because Jake Mayer is a guy who – hasn't looked overly confident lately. And if you had a running back that you could just give the ball to, you know, three, four times in a row and understand that you're going to get a handful of first downs out of that, it takes a lot of pressure off of Jake Mayer, who um, this season has been under a lot of pressure and, and hasn't always gone his way. Maddie, I know the Stamps won't use the injury situation as an excuse, but how much from your perspective has the injury trouble that they've had impacted their ability, just big picture, to remain consistent and ultimately lead them to their two and five record. Yeah, I, I think it's been a, a factor for sure. Like like what I just mentioned, the tackles rotating around. They, they've dealt with some injury there. Um, Bryce Bell has looked pretty good at left tackle, but they've kind of moved through guys there. That's been a factor. When you look at the receivers, you know they they lost one of their top guys early on. Mark and Michelle has come in. He's had one good game. He's had a couple where they haven't been able to get him the ball as much. They're trying to find other guys to fill that hole. The one to Kadeem Carey, like we just talked about, that, that's that been a big loss for them. You know, on the defense, the secondary at, at points hasn't looked consistent and, and hasn't been able to kind of shut things down. The D-line took a little while to get going, although that wasn't necessarily injury-related. But they've dealt with their fair share throughout the secondary, running back with the Kadeem Carey, and then, of course, at receiver, too. But... It's it's always a factor, but the thing is, throughout football, it's it's always going to be a factor. Um, it's just can your guys limit the kind of non-contact injuries that end up being season-ending? That's the big thing, and and those are the unfortunate ones. But it's always a factor in football, and well, we're already seeing it throughout NFL training camps, the quarterback situation around the CFL as a whole. Everyone deals with it, and you just got to find a way to grind through. Do you have a sense of what the frustration level is based on the fact they haven't won at McMahon this year? And what's it going to take to get a win at home against, understandably, the top team in the league? Well, this is a team that when I started covering them, you know, just over five, six years ago, they dominated at home. They would rarely lose a game. It would be one or two losing at home. And for them to not win until now, um, that's got to be extremely frustrating for this group because you want home to feel comfortable. It's supposed to be that place where you have a, a home field advantage. But if you don't have that feeling of winning yet, it's hard to 
kind of get into the game and have the same level of hype as, you know, we used to see back when they would finish a season with almost a clean slate of home victories. It's going to be a really tall task. Like I talked about earlier too, you've got the Argos coming in. And when you look at the roster, it feels like half of them are former Stampeders uh, led by the head coach, Ryan Dinwiddie, who used to be the quarterback's coach here. You got Corey Mace, their DC, who used to be the defensive line coach here. And then just a litany of players across both the offense and the defense. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, it would be great if the Stamps could get a home win, but I talked about the four-game stretch that they've got coming up here. It's going to be pretty tough to get one before Labor Day, but if you can, that's a big confidence-building moment and something that you can definitely build on and maybe even get a little bit of momentum going into Labor Day and get yourself right back into this race in the West. Yeah, I want to ask you about the next four weeks, and you've kind of mentioned it a couple times now, but they host Toronto tonight. They're 6-0 and tops in the league. Week 10 features the Lions, who are 6-2, and tied for tops in the West. Week 11, welcome the Bombers, who are 6-2, and tied for tops in the West. And then double back and or, uh, visit, pardon me, Toronto in Week 12. How quickly can this thing spiral before Labor Day? Well, when you lay it out like that, yeah, it could Oops. spiral pretty quickly, especially if injuries start to pile up. They don't get guys back as soon as they can. Um, but at the same time, Beating top teams like that, especially at home, you put on a good show. Like we saw yesterday that BC, who was a top team in the league, who showed Winnipeg, like they, they had a pretty decisive win over Winnipeg at home earlier in the season. They go out to IG Field and they get absolutely blown out there. So it's one of those things that when you see that, it maybe builds your confidence a little bit, something you can build momentum off of. That, it's going to be difficult. They're, they're the big-time underdog in all four of these matches right now, especially if Vernon Adams Jr. is able to come back for that BC game. But up until then, you're just going to have to keep grinding and, and, and not try and think about these opponents in a way that it's like, oh, this is a, a, an insurmountable hill to climb. you got to be able to look at this like you're going to be able to move forward, battle, get a little bit of momentum here and pull it into that Labor Day matchup because the Elks, those are going to be a couple games that you can win too. There's still a lot of season left to go. It hasn't gone well in this you know, first third, but you've got a long way to go and you can make up some ground if you can beat some of these top teams here. Uh, not, not to harp on this four-game stretch, but we talk about it in, in hockey a lot with the Flames. Like, okay, what does a successful four-game homestand look like? Does, a successful four game, does this successful four-game stretch just look like they got one? Or what, what could be considered a success coming out of this four-game stretch? Well, it kind of depends on what happens around them as well. But I think that at least one, you know, you feel good about it. Two, you're feeling great. You know, it, it all depends on what happens around them, though. Like, yeah. they're, they're facing an uphill climb. Every time you lose one, you're falling a little bit further back of not only the riders, but perhaps a crossover opportunity looking out east as well. So... It's, it's going to be tough, but I, I think that if they can get a couple here, they're going to be able to get it together, move forward, and, and maybe get back in the race. But, yeah, it's a tough cl- hill to climb for them right now. Uh, the, the quarterback, Jake Mayer, when, uh, again, when, when you and I were hanging out in the mornings, he was coming off of a pretty strong performance against an Ottawa secondary that can let you do that. Uh, it, it was kind of back to the, the shaky Mayer that was so frustrating to some Stamps fans in the, this most recent game against the Montreal Alouettes. What, what have you seen from the, the Stamps quarterback that has him so all over the place right now? I think that at times Jake can force the ball a little bit. And there were two instances last game where 
you know, I understand that the offense isn't clicking and you don't want to take a two on two and out and you don't want to take a loss or throw the ball away on a play where you really feel like you have something. But the pick six, that's one that, you know, he obviously wants back. It's a tough play there because that's the only touchdown that ends up getting given up there by the Stampeders. And then on the other side of the ball, or at, and then at the end of the game, pardon me, you have the pass to Luther Okunavanu, which, you know, you still had a little bit of time left on the clock. I thought the coverage was pretty tight. The pass wasn't great because he was on the run. You might have had another option there. It just feels like sometimes he's trying to push things and rush things. He talked about that a little bit in his chat with Patty Dumas yesterday uh, for yesterday's Stampeders report. So that's kind of what I'm seeing from him. I think that it's one of those things, too, when you can't win at home, you're losing games that you're really in. It's just you haven't been able to score a touchdown or a key touchdown to kind of put your team over the top that you start to lose confidence. You start to kind of get beaten down. But then again, like we've been saying this entire conversation, if you're able to go out and have a good showing against one of these really good defenses, that changes a lot of things. And I think one of the things that he talked about in practice this week was kind of slowing it down, not trying to rush things. And if he's able to do that, he's going to end up pretty solid. What have you seen from the, the opposition this week, the, the Argos? Obviously, it's gone very well for them so far. But what have you seen from them that has kind of had them atop the CFL for most of the year? Well, Chad Kelly looks outstanding when he started on the offense. They got two really good running backs that can kind of chip away at the game once they get the lead. And A.J. Ouellette, who's kind of new to the CFL but has been pretty dominant in his time here. And then Trevor Harris, who's just a, a late-game machine, and especially if Ouellette taking a lot of the handles, Harris is able to eat up a, a lot of time there and, and kind of chug away. Then Chad Kelly has been able to find all sorts of different receivers every single week, whether it's Coxie or Gittins or Devaris Daniels, the former Stampeder. So they're really solid there. Their offensive line is good. On defense, they get after the quarterback. Winton McManus is having an outstanding season. Another former Stampeder playing a middle linebacker. That guy is fearsome every time he's on the field. He can stop the run. He can get out and grab receivers. He's vicious that way. And they got a good secondary, too. So this is one of those teams that you just can't take lightly. Offense, defense, Boris Beattie's been in the CFL forever and is one of the top kickers every single year, right up there with Rene Paradis. So this is a team that you look at, and there's a lot of challenges here and a lot of guys that know the Stampeders. Like we talked about earlier, Corey Mace, the D.C., the head coach, Ryan Dinwiddie, both former Stampeders coaches. Mace, obviously, a player, too. So there's a, a lot of connections here. There's a lot of guys that are going to know each other, and that's always going to be fun to watch, but it also presents its own set of challenges. You laid out Toronto's side there. From a staff's perspective, what answer are you looking to find out in this matchup with the Argos? What's the biggest unsolved mystery that we might know coming out of the game? I don't know if there's a whole lot of mysteries for this <laughs> team right now. A lot of people are just asking if they can go the whole season undefeated, which, you know, I think a lot of teams, when you hear that this early in the year, that that kind of makes you pretty angry if, if you're going out and facing them and gives you a little bit fuel to your fire maybe. But there's not a lot of holes on this Argos team right now. It's, it's just can they keep this consistency up? Can they keep doing what they've been showing every week is not some sort of fluke and, and just keep challenging every single week and, and really showing that these guys are ready to challenge to be defending Grey Cup champs and, and maybe go or go back-to-back this season. And from Calgary's side, is there anything you're curious about seeing, how they stack up against the number one team? The biggest thing is going to be Jake Mayer for me, and it continues to be pretty much every single week because 
You know, there's instances where he looks really solid, he gets in a rhythm, he starts to look really good, but then there's other times where he, you know, turns the ball over in a bad place or, or can't make a key play or maybe one of the receivers can't make a key grab for him. So it's just going to be how is this offense going to operate against the Argos and, and can they keep up to the Argonauts? Because I don't think you're going to find yourself in an instance where even the Stampeders defense, if they play really well, giving up a touchdown to this Argos team isn't uh, – you know, that's not the worst thing, I guess you could say, because they, they tend to really show out, especially offensively, defensively. They've been fun to watch this year, that's for sure. Uh, looking around the CFL, it was a battle of the Titans last night that wasn't a battle for very long as the Bombers hmm. annihilate the Lions 50-14. to 14. These two teams have played twice. Neither game has been close. Uh, what, what do you see kind of separating these two teams right now, the, the Lions and the Blue Bombers, the tops in the West Division? Well, I don't know if there's a lot of separation. I think it's just one of those things where one team went out in the first game and said, we're going to make a statement to the league and say that we're the top dog in the West this year. And that was led by Matthew Betts and their defensive line who got after Zach Caleros and kind of tore that offensive line, that veteran offensive line of Winnipeg apart. Now you go into Winnipeg, that offensive line remembers the, the outstanding showing that we saw from BC and Zach Caleros was able to sit in the pocket and just throw the ball downfield and find his stud receivers. He was spreading the ball out. It was Dembski. It was Lawler. It was shown. It didn't matter. They were all getting open downfield. You could tell how upset that BC Lions defense was because that was not something they were used to. But to me, it all started in the trenches between those two teams in both of the games. And... I, I always say, man, like it's it's not the position that everyone loves to talk about. You can't track an offensive lineman's stats the same way that you can a receiver's or a running back, but that's how you win games, man. It's having a better offensive line than the other guys. It's having a better defensive line than the other guys because if you can go out and do that, it makes everybody else's job a whole lot easier. And uh, so far, both those teams have won in the matchup, and it's going to be fun to watch them battle for the top spot in the West. I don't know if the Stampeders are going to get there. I don't know if the Rough Riders are going to get there. I don't know if they're going to stay in this race as far as first place goes, but uh, they're going to try. It's going to be tough, though, and it's going to be fun to watch them battle it out. It's so lovely that coming off of this, the Stampeders will get a pissed-off BC Lions team next weekend. Oh, that just makes it that much better, hey? Yeah, and then they'll get the Bombers, who are going to be feeling all sweet about their victory over the Lions. I don't know who they have next week, but Elks. that's going to be another another tough matchup. So, yeah, it's uh, not something that you would necessarily want to look at and say, yeah, we're feeling really good about where we are. Like, the chances are the other team that you're facing for the next four weeks is going to feel more confident than you. The only question is, how are you going to kind of combat that and, and go against it? Yeah, next week, Winnipeg plays the Elks. So Calgary will be getting a Bombers oh, team God. feeling confident, scoring oh. 100 on Edmonton. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> better, right? Yeah. Enjoy. Good yeah. luck, boys. Like, I, um, I'm stoked. I'm pulling for them. I think it would be great if they can get a few wins here because that's the thing that kind of pulls the season together. But at the same time, like, you just look at this slate here, and we knew it going into it. And it's it's not great vibes going into this game <laughs> and uh, really these four weeks. But at the same time, uh, you know, Heritage game tonight. Hopefully McMahon's going to be packed. The Argos are a really good team. They're going to be fun to watch. And, and this should be a great game to, t to uh, go and take in at McMahon Stadium.
Yeah, no, absolutely. This will be a, a real measuring stick game for the Stampeders, and you get a chance to see the best team in the CFL come into town. So uh, absolutely yes, go check things out at McMahon. Uh, Matty, thank you as always, sir, and we will uh, chat again soon. Enjoy the afternoon, boys. See you later. You as well. Have a good one. There is Matty Rose with your Stampeders report. Joining us on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. I know that they won't look at it as a four-week stretch. I know that we certainly will. One game at a time. Exactly. The biggest biggest cliche in all the sports. Yeah. But... What does success look like? You asked Maddie, like one, one, one win, one. That's a yeah. That's a throw your hands don't in the come air. Out of this like you just nine. don't care. Yes, yeah. Try to tie one of them. Uh, but yeah, no one. You can get ties in the CFL. What if you get one of them? Then that's great in this one because like the team ahead of them directly in the West is Saskatchewan. Right. The, the Riders' schedule isn't nearly as difficult, but the Riders are playing some. Pretty atrocious football right now. So even in this four-game stretch, if Saskatch- or if Calgary does lose all four, I don't think Saskatchewan's going to run away and hide with that third spot in the West. So as pathetic as a two and nine against three and five or three and six playoff race would be, uh, that might be where you're stacked up right now. But no, like it's honestly like it sounds like I'm being hyperbolic. If they just don't lose by a bunch in all of them. That almost feels like a win, given the the murderer's row you're facing. Are you giving morale points out? Kind of. Look at it. Yeah, teams... no, I see it. The Argos six and zero. Week yeah. ten, the Lions six and two. Week eleven, the Bombers six and two. Week twelve, back to Toronto. The combined record of their next four opponents don't have as many losses as they have this season. So yeah, actually, I'm 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 fine giving out. Golly gee, they tried hard as as something because th- this is not. Doesn't look like it's going to go well when, by the way, it hasn't gone well up to this point. Like they, they, they've lost four of their last five. One of them is against Winnipeg, who is honestly a very difficult team. One is a loss to Saskatchewan. One's a loss to Ottawa. And then one's a loss to Montreal. All of those should be wins going into this stretch. If you are going to get to where you think you should be getting to. And some heartbreaking losses along the way. Yes. Not just losses, some absolute rip your heart out. Yeah. Overtime. Yeah. Yeah, the, the types of losses that you don't really want to have to deal with when you then go into a stretch like this for the, the Stamps against the Argos. But yeah, go Pack McMahon tonight as uh, you cheer on the, the Stampeders going up against the Boatmen. Uh, all right, that is going to do it for this segment. If you've missed any of the show so far, you can find it available on podcast. A very informative segment. Learned a lot about Cam. Um, so he's probably, probably more got than that. you want to know. A little but, too much. Yeah, definitely more than I, I want to know about Cam. But does Cam have a CFL team? That's Calgary. Yeah, there you go. Always. Automatic. That's easy. Yeah, locked in. There's no no purple teams in the CFL. You got to, uh, maybe the t- the 10th team, the Atlantic well, Schooners. Didn't you say purple and red? <laughs> yeah, purple. There's a bunch of red. Yeah, there you go. There's one team has it in the name. Um, but yeah, we need to, the, the Schooners need to, to be a purple team when, uh, when they come into the league. We need a bit more of that. But anyway, uh, time for us to take a break. When we come back, we're going to put a pretty little bow on this one. There was some NFL news to discuss. We might try to gamble on professional wrestling. A lot to get to in the last hour of Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today with Aaron Vickers and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Do we need to Shazam this? What (laughs) track did Cam unearth here? It's a little little specialty, you know? Cam, explain. So 
the voice you heard at the beginning of that is F1 driver Lando Norris oh. singing along to his new favorite song, Friday. Coming up on the show next week, we find Aaron Vickers' favorite F1 team. I like this. We can do this. <laughs> I don't. Just don't pick Ferrari. Real. Who should I pick, Cam? Just off the top of your head real quick. Uh, do you like winning? Not really. Ooh. <laughs> Ferrari. <laughs> if you want to be sad, pick Ferrari. Yeah. If you want to kind of always have expectations that don't get met, go McLaren. True. If you want to win, just cheer for Max Verstappen. Yeah, Red Bull yeah. seems to be the way to go. Yeah. I do enjoy the beverage. Yeah. It's mixed with a certain mixer. That's fair. I I actually don't. That's a lie. I also like a, a virgin vodka Red Bull occasionally as well. Um, I remember like diving into to F1. It's like I was between because I didn't. There's a very big difference between the haves and the have. I guess we're doing F1. Uh, there's a very big difference between the haves and the have-nots in F1. And I was like, okay, so McLaren or F1. I have a much better chance of consuming one's product than the other. Probably going to have more Red Bulls in my life than McLaren. Fair point. So, <laughs> Not with that attitude. Or, or yes with that attitude. Yeah, with sorry. that attitude, yeah. yeah. Is, and, this, is this a time where I, I admit on air that I have not seen one single second of Drive to Survive? You uh. will love it. Yeah, it's actually quite good. It's so good. First three seasons are very good. Kind of falls off towards the end, but the first three seasons are spectacular. Yeah. And it's worth going back? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got a week of doing nothing coming up. Mm -hmm. You'll fly through it. Like Perhaps you, you I'll will. acquire some Red Bulls. <laughs> there you go. And watch Drive to Survive. The <laughs> access they have is great. They do an amazing job because, again, like this season is over already. Red Bull has won the Constructors. Max Verstappen has won the Drivers title. Like that, there is, in terms of that drama, there's nothing. But the show has done a really good job of highlighting the importance of drivers finishing tenth and teams finishing in the top four, and now I guess top three because Ferraris. <laughs> but the, they've <laughs> done that. They've done a really good job of kind of showing like. Different things matter for these different teams, and the race for fourth is important for these guys, and the race for first is important for these guys. They do a great job with that, so it keeps you interested in the whole and thing. And just for the reverse of that, uh, Cam, can we just get an update on whether or not your car is going to survive so you can drive it again? Ah. Uh, it's going to survive. We're going to keep that thing alive, even if it looks like Frankenstein afterwards. <laughs> okay. Might at this point already. Uh, so, yeah. No easy transition. Boy. I don't have one to help you out on this one, pal. <laughs> Drawing blanks for segues here. Yeah. Well, no, I have a bunch. I just can't use any of them. If you've missed any of the show, uh, by all means, check it out on the podcast, wherever fine podcasts are available. If you're uh, listening on Stitcher, you got to change that soon because Stitcher's going away at the end of the month. But uh, any other podcasting platforms, by all means, go for it. So let's transition into the National Football League. There was a little bit of concern uh, about Geno Smith. Uh, he apparently has not now been charged with a DUI. So he's going to be good to go, I guess, for the start of the season. Like, the couldn't be any less dramatic going from drive to survive to mm -hmm. this gentleman was driving. And it turns out he won't be charged with DUI. It turns out he's just uh, maybe not a good driver. I guess. I guess that's where we could have done the transition. Yeah, there you go. Um, You're welcome. Th yeah, thank you. Three <laughs> minutes late. <laughs> yeah, well, we got As there. As per usual. We got there. That's fine. But... Geno Smith is such an interesting story for the Seahawks this last year because the last thing we've seen of Geno Smith is him being a quality National Football League quarterback. Correct. The issue is we hadn't really seen that until last year. So you, you get into how much of that and last year was for real for Geno Smith and a Seahawks team that had next to zero expectations. And like, how much is this legit? How much is it just a one-off? 
how seriously should we be taking the, the Seahawks, I guess, coming into this season? Or Geno's more specifically, I guess. I am curious about him because I was one of the lucky few who, and everybody loves to hear about somebody else's fantasy football team, <laughs> but I played a two QB league and had atrocious two QBs. One was Dak who got hurt. So I got Gino off the waiver wire for free and it turns out amazing season. Yeah. So it worked out well, but now, as you said, he had zero expectations last year. Yeah. It was come in and the team's going to be terrible and we'll give you a try, but we'll see where this goes. Turns out, went a lot better than his predecessor. Yes. And away they go. So now all of a sudden, do you have to take the Seahawks a little bit more seriously this year based on what Gino did? I think so. I think that the bar has been raised for the expectation. I think it was continually raised through the season. I'll be curious to see, one, where he goes in my draft, mm -hmm. but two, like what he's able to do. How is he, how is he able to build on that? Because it did kind of seem out of nowhere, and the expectations certainly weren't there for him. Where are you on your uh, fantasy football NFL degenerate gambling prep for the, the upcoming season? Are we locked in? Or are we just getting oh God, back into no. it? Oh, God. I haven't done it. I don't even know when the draft is. I haven't even heard whether or not the league's going to oh, continue. <laughs> um, that said, I'm only going to do one. I, I'm not the fan of doing three or four at the same time because all of a sudden you root for and against the same guy in the same week. And it's just it's not it's not for me. Um Again, our drafts are usually right around uh, Labor Day weekend, so I'll yeah. just do it a week before because I don't want to do a whole bunch of prep and then all of a sudden four guys are hurt and this right. this guy's sat in the preseason, so you don't get a read, so on and so forth. Um, I'm not I'm not ba I'm not keen on doing prep a month prior. That's to be fair. perfectly honest with you. I'm a lazy fantasy football player. Don't get <laughs> me wrong; I'll be there every Sunday in front of the screen from 11 a.m. to 7 8 o'clock p.m. Yeah, but I'm not gonna for seven hours of commercial free football. Exactly. I'm but I'm. As it stands on Friday, August 4th, how much prep have I done? Zero. Zero. Okay. You? Are you That's the fair. opposite or are you the same? Uh, I haven't done a ton. I uh, listen to podcasts and stuff like that. We have guests on. I ask them questions. That that helps me. But I'm I'm going to get in because I'm like you. After Tuesday, I don't have a lot going on for the next little while. So uh, I'm going to be diving. Well, you're watching uh, Formula One reality TV. Right? I'm going to be diving into to fantasy football stuff and just kind of getting ready for things because um, you, you don't think that the three or four fantasy team thing is the, the way to go? You do? I have five. Five teams. I did two and dropped one halfway through. Well, I didn't drop it. I still maintain the competitive balance. Right. But I dropped it because I'm like, nah, too much. I, I was going to drop two of them and then just kept putting it off. And now we're at the point where I absolutely can't put put either of them away. Because, like, it's too late now. Right. Ridiculous to ask someone, hey, can you just take on this team that has five keepers and some draft picks? Like, by all means, go for it. So I am I am pot committed, even though it is, given my current employment status, wildly fiscally irresponsible for me to be going into these leagues. Uh, I am I'm diving in headfirst once again this year into five fantasy football leagues. So let me ask you this then, Mr. I've only done a little bit of research, but way more than you. <laughs> Where are you taking Alvin Kamara? Well, I'm certainly taking him uh, ahead of his ADP now, as uh, we got word today, speaking of transitions, that uh, Alvin Kamara has it's been, good. yeah, you nailed it, has been suspended for three games uh, following an altercation in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, two years ago? It wasn't last year. It was two years ago. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people, and th this kind of worked into his ADP. Right now, he's going as the 31st running back off of the board, 77th overall. So that's sixth round area depending on the the size of your league he 
31st running back off the board behind James Cook. I would guess that a lot of people assumed this was going to be a six-week suspension like we saw with some of the gambling ones. Now that it's only three, I am very comfortable taking him not all the way at the tippy top because there, there's still some questions right. about the offense in, in New Orleans now with Derek Carr at the helm, but I am certainly comfortable taking him as a top 15 running back now going forward. Missing three weeks. Every running back misses three weeks. I think I hit a bunch. That I was, just know he's going to miss them. That was going to be my shelf to ask you. He, so he's right at that 15 for you. Yes. Yeah, I, I look at the, the running backs going around the, the bottom part of the top 10. Like, Brees Hall is up there at 11, probably not over him. Ramondre Stevenson is at 12. Now we're starting to think about it. We're starting to squint. Right. Uh, Travis Etienne at 13. With a smile on my face and a tear in my eye, I will take Alvin Kamara over uh, Travis Etienne a thousand times out of 10. Why a smile? Why a tear? Uh, it's a Ric Flair. It's from his uh, promo when he won the 1992 Royal Rumble. I like we'll to, get, to roll with that. We'll get there in a second. <laughs> yeah. Why are you jumping ahead? Well, I, I, you're the one who asked. I just like to throw that in for the people who know. Uh, Deep but, cut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shout out my 1990s wrestling watchers. But for, for Kamara, I, I still think there is an explosive running back there. He is going to be a big part of this offense that doesn't have a ton of weapons. Derek Carr can be a check down machine. And so I think Kamara is going to be valuable in the, the passing game. ETN has shown it a little bit, but not a ton. And I think Jacksonville is going to have a couple of extra weapons there this year. And then the running backs going after ETN, uh, Jameer Gibbs, who I think is going to be very interesting in Detroit, but I'd rather a bit more of a sure thing with Kamara. Kenneth Walker, who is already banged up, which scares me. And Joe Mixon, who his own team didn't even want him three months ago. So that's that's where, to me, the, the tier kind of breaks, and I, I want Kamara in that spot. Can I ask you a completely self-serving question that nobody else cares about? Of course. What are you doing with Derrick Henry's ADP is 19 overall in terms of running backs. He's number six, but he's 29 and he has been an absolute workhorse. I'm a Titans guy. I had him last year. How much are you willing to gamble on a guy like that? To me, at this point, I'm going to be a year too late on the Derrick <laughs> on the Derrick Henry falls off train. Like he is just he, he should have fallen off already. And he is not. And I've talked before that I am going with the the, the kind of zero RB strategy this year where Ooh. I like the, the wide receivers at the, now, the top part of this draft. Are yours all PPR? Are you doing half PPR or standard? What's your um, situation? Mainly PPR. Yeah. Okay. So I understand that strategy a little bit more if you're you're doing it that way. I'm in a standard. So yeah. Even then, like I, I just feel like wide receiver gets into a, a real dark place quick and with running backs that there's at least a bit more sustained. But if I go say a Justin Jefferson at the top of the first round, and then you come around at the turn and maybe some of the receivers have gone and Derek Henry is still sitting there. I don't mind going with that one and, and going with like a, a Jefferson Henry pairing. If he's still around at the, the back end of the second round. So right around where he is going is right around where I am comfortable with right now. Does that make you feel a little bit better about the, the Titans running back and the sole hope for any happiness you have as a football fan this year? Um, no, like <laughs> you didn't, you didn't do really anything to, to, to squash my concern nor elevate my excitement. So Congratulations. You can put that on a t-shirt and sell it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I, I'm overall, I think the Alvin Kamara news is really positive for the, the saints and for fantasy football owners of him and people who are looking at him in their drafts. Like I said, I was kind of expecting six. So the, the fact that it is only three, I think helps the saints greatly in what appears to be one of the most wide open divisions in the NFL. And then I think it changes the, the draft strategy for him specifically greatly coming into this draft. Yeah. And just to reiterate three weeks for Camara, I pled no contest to a misdemeanor charge of breach of peace. He's ordered 30 hours of community service, 
pay the victim a restitution for past medical bills of $105,000. And on top of that, fine 500. <laughs> well, just 500, not 500,000. Yeah. No, 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 just no. 500.00 is how much he's been fined. That's uh that, that I, we we joked about it. That's just like, look, you have to pay this back and we got to wet our beak a little bit. So just live a little bit off the top. He'll be eligible to return week four against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll miss matchups with my Titans, which I'm not sad about, the Panthers and the Packers. Yeah, that's, I mean, they can win, win, games win, win those games even without yeah. them. That, that, yeah, that this, this goes, I think, really well for the Saints. And again, that division, I don't know who the favorite would be in that division right now. You have an Atlanta Falcons team that is in transition, and I don't necessarily trust the quarterback. You have Carolina, who's going to be going with a rookie quarterback right from day one after trading away your number one receiver to move up into that spot. And then you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, pretty talented roster, Baker Mayfield's their quarterback. So uh, like this division feels like it could be there for the Saints to take right now. Is this going to be a bold opportunity to transition into favorites about what's to come in 24-ish hours' time? All right, let's do it. Uh, but just before we get into that, okay. I do want to ask, Cam, Yeah, we just got you a uh, football team. You're a diehard, lifelong Minnesota Vikings fan for the yeah. last hour. As long as I've known, I've, I've been a Vikings fan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've never known you to not be one. Uh, you going to get into fantasy football? Sure. Oh, okay. Let's nice. do it. There we go. For money? Oh, God, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you're, I, not, well you're not invited. Yeah, I have but... learned so much better than to put my money on sports because I always get it wrong. So I <laughs> thought we had an extra like, yeah. 50 to $100 donation for a, a league there. That's too bad. Ah, it's tough. But yes, no, we, we do have the, the gambling event of the century coming up. WWE SummerSlam this weekend. If I was on the ball, I would have got Cam to play the old 1990s SummerSlam theme, but I'm not. So we're just going to roll with it. But just picture in your head a lot of like electronic music from the 90s. Uh, yeah, SummerSlam is this weekend from Detroit as they have sold out another football stadium. And I have brought it to the attention of the people around me that you can actually, uh, depending on where you live, wager on sports entertainment in the world of professional wrestling. So I have a question. Okay. What's up with that? <laughs> well, um, it's one of those, like, you can bet on TV shows. You know, like, you can bet on, oh, which Game of Thrones dragon, blah, 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 blah. I'm not far enough in Game of Thrones to know. But th- there are different places where you can be like, oh, yeah, who's going to be the first person killed in this thing tonight? What happens with Walter White in the final episode of whatever? Really? Th- there are places, yeah, there are. So am I not just, am I not degenerate enough to have found this? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you need to. You need Step to my re- game up? You need to, re- or the opposite. You oh. need to slum your game down, sir, with me. Um, but yeah, no, there, there are places you can absolutely do this. And then there's like awards that people vote on and things like that. Like the Oscars, you can place a, a bit of a wager on there's with all of these things, there's limitations, right? Like there's just like there's limitations on the people who control outcomes of sports. See the players there's, uh, limitations in, in this world too. It's not as regulated. Um, it's not available legally in the States at all. They're trying to, but it's not right now. You can plead the fifth on this. Okay. What's the most degenerate thing you put money on? Oh, man. Oh, you have to even think about this. So it's yeah. not even like a... No, there's not... A, like, like, you can't go the color of the Gatorade of the Super Bowl. Because no, that's no, not no, even no, no, close. No, that's child's play. Child's play. I'm a child. We used to do at the, the, the one other network that I used to work at that got referenced a couple of times today. Uh, we would do... A, if there was a slow day in the newsroom, we'd be like, all right. 1997 Eastern Conference shooting percentage go and we'd all put 20 bucks on it and whoever could list off the most in the top five would win 
Uh, so it would be challenging our own uh, kind of like Doku and all those things now. But for an actual live sporting event, I... Yeah, I want something you had to go to a website to do. Right, to go to an actual website to, to lay actual human being money down on. That is really interesting. Uh, I, I did one, I think it was like a second level Russian hockey game one time. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was one of those... You, we all know some of those sites that you, you can see like, oh, yeah, there's this thing happening on the right VHL. now. The VHL. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll pop something on there. Okay, and I, then and I saw the score. I was like, I wonder if there's a, a thing here and, and found it. So, yeah. I got you beat. Uh, I, I, I would hope so. <laughs> no, you should hope not. You're the <laughs> Croatian basketball. Oh, there we go. Now, this is kind of irrelevant to why I was betting on it. My wife's Croatian. Like that's the only connection I have. Okay, there we go. Yeah, that's, and, and no and no connection to Korea. Recognized one of the cities, didn't recognize the other. So I bet on the city <laughs> I recognized, and I won. Yeah, let's bring it back to SummerSlam because I'm sure you're going to run us through real quickly your thoughts on the matches. Yes, uh, we have uh, the the SummerSlam odds are available here. Uh, in the main event, it is Tribal Combat for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship and the position of Tribal Chief as the tribal chief Roman Reigns defends the title against Jay Uso. Roman Reigns, big favorite right now at minus seven seventy. Uh, Jay Uso at plus three fifty. Is it worth throwing a dollar on at plus three fifty, or it is it of, like just completely like don't even bother, don't waste your time? It's Roman Reigns. I am a little surprised that it's this wide. I have loved what they have done with main event Jay Uso, uh, building him up over the last couple of years. And if this is the end of the the Roman Reigns storyline, then I have. No problem with uh, with Jey Uso. A little sprinkle at plus 350. I'm kind of disappointed you didn't just go, is this the end of Roman's reign? Oh, like, yeah. No, sorry. I don't I don't catch all the low-hanging fruit. I well, miss some of I that. do. And I'm not gonna <laughs> not about to miss this one. We we got some um we got some close odds here on the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match with Seth Rollins only a minus 120 favorite over Finn Balor, who's plus 100, and at plus 550. Damian Priest can uh, cash in his Money in the Bank contract, which gets you a world title match at any time. That could be the play. A little value sprinkle at plus 550 on uh, Damian Priest cash in. I can't believe I'm breaking down wrestling lines. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like Spanish to me right yeah. now. I'm not going to lie. No, that's fair. Uh, but so Damian Priest might be that there. It's the, the, the weird thing is, like WWE, to tie this into an actual sports news type of thing, the WWE has tried to get this regulated in the States to, to the level that gambling is in the States, right? With the FanDuels and the DraftKings. They are trying to get onto, and like you can do some DraftKings games with WWE now where it's like, who's the first to use a steel chair? Who's the first to do a move off the top rope? Like the, those sorts of things. But on the actual result, for reasons that should be obvious to everyone, uh, regulators in the States have had some issues with it. Is it because it's scripted? It is because it's scripted. So What? Uh, yeah. Sorry. Um, what? So what? I think we just broke a heart or two. <laughs> so what Like people are, what the WWE has suggested is, oh, we'll submit our, our scripts the day before or the results the day before so you guys know beforehand uh, what's going to happen. But then you have to, then you're putting a lot of trust in the people who are submitting those still. And there's a lot of, of different things. And one of the, the things I think you have to be concerned with, like Ronda Rousey is in the WWE. Correct. Like, so is Shayna Baszler. And if one of those two just decided for whatever reason, hey, I don't really feel like losing right now. They could just not. 
Like that they are, with all due respect to the toughness of the the, the other female performers in the WWE. If Shayna Baszler just decides that she's not doing something, Shayna Baszler is not doing that thing. Former Invicta World Champion. But yet, Saturday, she's facing Ronda Rousey. She is, yes. Uh, and she is minus 300. That one is pretty obvious. Ronda's leaving. Uh, so Shayna probably gets the win there. So minus 300, it's actually not the, that wide of an odd. You can uh, maybe make a, a bit of cash on that one. Now that match is MMA rules. Care to shed a little light on what that might actually be? It's always weird when wrestling goes in this way. It's like, hey, 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 hey. It's not, like, one, it's not like the brawl for all way back in the right, day no, where they're actually throwing down. This will not be an actual legitimate MMA That's too bad. Comp, uh, competition. That, that would be ridiculous. But it, it's always weird when wrestling does this. It's like, hey, this scripted thing is less scripted than the other things. The rest of the things are scripted, but this is going to be real fighting. It's always so strange when they go that route. Um, but no, I, I think it's been an, a fine storyline. Former tag team champions, they're now splitting up. Longtime friends building a rivalry that culminates this Saturday, SummerSlam. Catch it on the WW Network, brought to you by uh, Sportsnet. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. That's more Monster Truck, but yeah. I did my best. No, wrestling can can go with that as well. Also, Logan Paul is on this, uh, minus 400, to pick up a win over Ricochet. That meant very little to me, but I I trust that you know exactly what's going on there. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, just quickly, the Paul brothers both in action this weekend. Is there any interest from anyone at all in Jake Paul against uh, Nate Diaz in a boxing contest? For me, the answer is no. I can't stand those guys. But I, I wonder if I'm alone in that, or are you guys on board? I think it could be. I think it's just good entertainment. I'd like to see this guy uh, get the uh, expletive kicked out of him. Yeah, that'd be, be great. Good, uh, uh, yeah. good comedy. Yeah, he gets punched a bunch of times. I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. It's just when he wins that it bothers me. Yeah. Which I mean, makes but hey, him... good on him. Yeah. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna go in there and do it yeah. and win. I'm and not like going to hate on you, but I am going to hate on you. He has actually gone in there and actually taken it seriously, which is nice that he's not just doing it as a, a YouTube gimmick or anything like that. Like he has gone there and taking his training seriously. I just want him to get punched in the head a bunch. So uh, hopefully Nate Diaz can do that for us this weekend. So there is what you all expected from the end of this show, a complete comprehensive gambling breakdown of professional wrestling and WWE SummerSlam coming up this weekend again on the WWE Network that you can get through a Sportsnet Now subscription. No, no better way to end a Peter Klein week, a primetime <laughs> Klein, a PK week than yeah. a little, uh, little wrestling and gambling. Um, yes, this has been a fun last couple of weeks, uh, hanging out with the guys in the morning and now with all of you here. Uh, if, if you missed me and you like me, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, threads. I am at primetime Klein. Mr. Vickers, where can they find you, sir? They can find me on threads. They can find me on Twitter at AA Vickers. I've even got blue sky, but I still haven't really figured out how that all works and what the actual handle is because there's like a, I don't know. Don't, I mean, if you're there, give it a search. Don't <laughs> go out of your way. I'm not sure I'm sticking around. Same for threads as well, but Hey, yeah. Find me on X. Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, it's no. Twitter. It'll Twitter. always be Twitter at AA Vickers. All right. That is it. Thank you all so much. It's been a fun couple of weeks. Enjoy your long weekend. Tuesday, some people will be here and they'll be talking all about sports here on Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.